1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. WWE, which is taping their shows here in town, announced last night they had one of their, I believe it was an on stage performer test positive. Are you aware? Are they deemed an essential business, or did they get a special exemption to stay open, or are you aware of how they're able to?
2: I think initially there was um, a review that was done and they were not essentially deemed, they were not initially deemed an essential business. With some conversation with the, the governor's office regarding the governor's order, they were deemed an essential business.
3: types of business for uh, exemptions to uh, essential businesses? Have you, you you've given uh, WWE for example um, uh, the ability? To- uh, obviously WWE there's no crowd or anything so it's a very very small number of people uh, so, so we just kind of look at it uh, on a case-by-case basis.
4: Rob Manford thank you very much. NFL Roger Goodell thank you Roger. UFC Dana White Major League Soccer, Don Garber, WWE, the great Vince McMahon.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York. It's April 17th, 2020. In the strange time of coronavirus, an exponential growth does not appear to be exponential anymore. In the United States, when it comes to new cases. But still, thousands of people dying daily. WWE has released some 25 wrestlers that we know of. They furloughed nine producers, three coaches, laid off at least one writer, and probably made cuts to more employees in WWE corporate. The XFL, Mystic Man's other project, has ceased operations completely, laid off all its employees, except for a few. It's been a busy week in the life of Vincent Kennedy McMahon this week, and today's episode is going to focus on the timeline, particularly over the last week, and going back a little bit further for background. I think it's helpful that we sort out all the facts and look at everything in order and get a better understanding of what's been happening in WWE and the XFL for that matter over the last couple months. There's a great deal of interest in the releases that have just happened and in the folding of the XFL. I think it's important that we step back and try to look at the whole picture as much as we possibly know about it. So we'll be doing that today. But first, before we dive into WWE, All Elite Wrestling has announced its planned Double or Nothing pay-per-view scheduled for Saturday, May 23rd at the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas will not be happening at the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas, but the pay-per-view will be happening on May 23rd probably in an empty building somewhere, uh, with uh, additional details to be announced. Ring of Honor and MLW continue to not run events, despite the fact that apparently events will be allowed in the state of Florida, where WWE has its performance center in Orlando. Joe Coff, the COO of Ring of Honor, told Post Wrestling on Tuesday that the exemption in Florida that makes pro wrestling exempt as an essential service along with other sports and entertainment activities that don't involve a live audience. Joe Koff that said that would not change their approach. He said, quote, The safety of all our performers, staff, vendors, and fans are the most important things to us right now, and we are continuing to improve our infrastructure and find ways to connect with them during this time. Are we eager to get back? Absolutely. For now, we will be monitoring day by day. Kurt Bauer of MLW put it more directly, quote, I will not put my athletes, crew, and staff, along with their families, at risk of contracting the virus. On Wednesday, Road director Takaki Kadani, who leads the parent company of New Japan Pro Wrestling, along with Hiroshi Tanahashi, New Japan chairman Noki Sugabayashi, had a meeting with representatives from promotions like Stardom, Pro Wrestling Noah, All Japan Pro Wrestling, DDT Pro Wrestling, Diana, and Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. They consulted with the Japanese Minister of Education, Culture, Sports, Science, and Technology and former New Japan star, Hiroshi Hase. According to the official New Japan website, representatives from these promotions discussed with Hase the effect the COVID-19 crisis was having on the pro wrestling industry. The promotions made requests for testing kicks, for compensation for wrestlers who obviously are unable to work at this time. Kadani said that the formal proposal has my name signed at the bottom, but the issues covered are ones that affect the entire professional wrestling industry. Tanahashi said, Yes, not being able to wrestle does make a lot of us concerned for our livelihoods, but in the world of sports, be that baseball, soccer, or sumo, I feel that professional wrestling should be the anchor. I think it should be acceptable for professional wrestling to be the last sport to return to full activity. I want people to know that when professional wrestling is back, then and only then, it means truly that Japanese entertainment has properly recovered. Mayu Iwatani of Stardom added, If we have access to testing kits for wrestlers and staff, it can put minds at ease and help us return to active duty. According to the New Japan website, the request for testing kits notes that While we understand the top priority for medical supplies must go to those in the centers of the front lines of battling this disease, if at all possible, we request that kits be supplied to test and protect wrestlers and staff within the industry. Additionally, on compensation for contracted wrestlers, the request says, Not only the wrestlers under contract in our group of companies, but those in the industry at large are designated as contractors, whose livelihood is therefore threatened by not being able to perform in the current climate. We ask that contracted wrestlers be met with benefits and protections befitting of full-time employees. So that, that to give you an idea of what's happening in Japan. As for Mexico, AAA will begin doing empty arena shows this Saturday, streaming on YouTube and Facebook. So let's get into today's timeline, covering WWE and XFL We're going to look at the period mostly from the middle of March when the COVID-19 crisis began to cause restrictions in the United States through to the present. But We're going to hit some prologues first here. We're going to start with May 2018. When, yes, you read it and so did I in the SEC filing published that day, the Q1 report of 2018. We're in the 10Q, page 29. Paragraph heading 19, Subsequent Events, where it reads, On April 3rd, 2018, the company entered into a transaction with Alpha Entertainment, LLC, an entity controlled by Vincent K. McMahon, granting Alpha rights to launch a professional football league under the name XFL. Alpha has announced that it expects that this launch will occur in early 2020. Under these agreements, Doty received, among other things, a minority equity interest in Alpha without payment by or other financial obligation on the part of WWE. And what does that mean? That means that WWE granted Alpha Entertainment the rights to use the XFL intellectual property to brand its football league, XFL. In exchange, WWE got a minority equity interest, a minority ownership in Alpha Entertainment. WWE paid Nothing in addition, other than providing the IP, and Alpha also gave WB, quote, among other things. Those among other things, we would later learn, was $1 million. So since 2018, it has been a matter of public record that WB has been a minority owner in Alpha Entertainment, the parent company of the XFL. And Alpha Entertainment is a separate company, a separate LLC that does not share finances with the WWE. WWE has provided support services from its WWE employees to Alpha Entertainment. Alpha Entertainment has paid WWE for those support services, according to documentation. More on that later. So Vince McMahon owns Alpha Entertainment, the majority of it, along with WWE as a company. Vince McMahon owns a large portion of WWE. And he owns the majority of the voting interest in WWE. So he's involved in the ownership of both companies. He controls both companies. But their finances are separate. Now, over the course of December 2017, then later in November 2018, and later again on March 2019, Vince McMahon sold almost 7 million of his WWE shares. Vince still owns to this day... Over 28 million WWE shares. That still allows him to maintain controlling voting interest in WWE. But again, from the period of December 2017 through March 2019, Vince sold almost 7 million shares. The total value of those stock sales comes to $379,658,303. A lot of money. The two largest of those sales, each for over $3 of his shares, documentation with the SEC shows that Vince sold them with the purpose of funding Alpha Entertainment. The other sales in November was a series of smaller sales. Those total about $20 million. And we don't know what exactly those were intended for. They might be intended for the XFL, might not. And I don't know what the rules are around that. I'm guessing because those sales were smaller, WWE and or Vince McMahon either didn't have to or chose not to explain what the purpose of those sales was for. But we do know that the vast majority of the stock sales made, in this time I'm referencing, were intended for the funding of Alpha Entertainment, that is the parent company of XFL. Now, is that a bad thing for WWE investors? That Vince decided to sell a lot of his stock and then go start another company. You know, If you're an investor in a company, you probably don't like the idea of an owner selling a large amount of stock like that. You don't love that idea. You don't want people to be selling off their stock in large numbers. That drives down, theoretically, like that could drive down the price of your stock. Then again, you're being told what the sales are for. It's to fund the XFL. And it's not as if the stock price saw a long-term decline following these sales. The stock price would decline later in 2019 and into 2020, but for other reasons than Vince's stock sales. And that brings us to 2020, with the XFL season about to start. WE held its Q4 earnings release and conference call. On the conference call, WCEO CEO Vince McMahon fielded a few questions about the XFL. Here's one of them, which I've seen referenced lately.
0: And, and you know, I ask this question because we've gotten it you know, a bunch of times uh, since last uh, week from investors, but
3: can you just say here definitively whether WWE plans to invest with, partner
1: with, or, you know, even merge with the XFL at any point in the future? <laughs> you no,
4: know, the XFL is a separate entity completely. You know, there are about 400 uh, employees. And the kickoff, of course, is uh, this coming Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's completely separate.
1: Okay, thank you. Now, there's Vince McMahon saying that the XFL is completely separate. However, the analyst on the call did ask whether WB had any plans to invest with, merge with, or partner with the XFL. And Vince said no. Now, he could have said that, oh, by the way, yes, WB does have, as we've already disclosed, a minority equity interest in the XFL. He did not say that, but maybe he just understood the question to mean, do you have any plans to have WB further invest or partner with the XFL? And he said no. At any rate, without jumping too far ahead here, the XFL bankruptcy documentation, which just became public record, shows that WB does own a piece of alpha entertainment. For some people in the public, this was the first time that they learned that WB had an ownership of the XFL parent company. Some people were even decrying that WWE, that Vince McMahon had lied on the conference call. And I don't read it that way. WWE disclosed its ownership in Alpha Entertainment in May 2018 and repeatedly thereafter. Now, there was some investor concern, at least with the Oklahoma Firefighters Pension and Retirement System, who was, and to a small extent still is or was recently, a WWE investor. They had alleged that there was all sorts of potential conflicts of interest between Alpha Entertainment and WWE that WWE had sold the XFL IP to Alpha at a price that was way below fair market value, that k Gates, the home of Jerry McDivitt, was representing both XFL and WWE, that the, the rate that WWE was charging Alpha Entertainment for the support services from WWE employees was not disclosed, and that that could be a value way below fair market value. But as we would learn on March 10th, a month and a week ago, the Oklahoma Firefighters Pension and Retirement System voluntarily dropped its lawsuit against WBE, in which they were seeking records so they could investigate whether there indeed was a conflict of interest and whether Vince McMahon and W executives had failed to uphold their fiduciary duties. The Oklahoma Retirement System dropped the case voluntarily. We don't know if that was settled out of court, whether the, uh, the retirement system got any money out of it. We don't know. But we didn't know the case was dropped. That was March 10th. The next day, March 11th, the National Basketball Association decided to suspend its season related to coronavirus concerns. That was a Wednesday. The next day, Thursday, March 12th, WWE announces that SmackDown will proceed in the Performance Center with no audience. The same day, the XFL announces that it will suspend games for its 2020 regular season. Also on March 12th, WWE puts out a press release entitled, WWE Statement on Potential Impact of COVID-19. The company announces that its earlier Q1 guidance has been withdrawn. In other words, they're saying we're not going to make as much money probably as we said we were going to before. The company acknowledges that it's going to be forced to cancel its events, that WrestleMania may include those events that will be canceled. They don't give an estimate of the potential financial impact at the time nor have they as of this recording, but WWE says that they have cash and debt capacity of $500 million. Four days later, on March 16th, friend of WWE and greatest pay-per-view draw of all time, U.S. President Donald Trump even says that people need to stay home. Some say this will go on through July or August. On that day again, March 16th, WWE announces that WrestleMania will not take place as scheduled in Tampa Bay. Instead, WrestleMania will happen at the Performance Center in Orlando in front of no fans. Just over a week later, Friday, March 24th, in a move that I still don't understand, Vince McMahon put 3.5 million of his WWE shares into a prepaid forward contract with Morgan Stanley. And my understanding of the agreement is that over the course of four years, It's basically like a loan Vince McMahon transfers those shares to Morgan Stanley in installments in exchange for cash up front. Was he doing this to try to save the XFL? Was he doing this for some other reason? I don't know. But two days later, WrestleMania taping concludes. And the news breaks that Roman Reigns has pulled out of his WrestleMania match that was supposed to be against Bill Goldberg. And we believe that since Roman Reigns is someone who's overcome leukemia twice, he decided that it would be the best thing for his health if he did not participate in a match in the middle of a pandemic. Tuesday, March 31st, Fox and Fight announced that they're going to digitally offer W WrestleMania as a standalone pay-per-view event. Fox also announces that they're going to use 22 hours of WWE library content on its Fox Sports Networks. The next day, April 1st, after much resistance, And after many other states had already done similar, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis issues an executive statewide stay-home order.
3: We've seen some of the job losses. We've seen some of the economic problems that have happened um, as a result of this. Um, we're going to be in this for another 30 days, I think, based off that. Um, and that's just the reality that we find ourselves in. And so so given those circumstances and giving, um, uh, given the, the the unique situation in Florida, um, I'm going to be doing an executive order today uh, directing all Floridians to limit movements and personal interactions outside the home to only those necessary to obtain or provide essential services or conduct essential activities. Um, and we have the list of essential services that is detailed by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and its latest guidance.
1: So what does that mean for future W attempts to record TV at the Performance Center in Orlando? More on that to come. On April 4th, President Donald Trump holds a call with leaders of sports organizations, including Vince McMahon and UFC President Dana White. The next day, on April 5th, as we would later learn from Fightful, WWE sent out an internal memo from WWE Executive Vice President Paul Aveck saying that a WWE employee had tested positive for COVID-19. And remember, still at this time, WWE is not in the middle of tapings. In fact, April 5th is the Sunday of WrestleMania weekend, and the final day of tapings is believed to have been March 26th at the Performance Center. The memo, according to Fightful, read, a WB employee has tested positive for COVID-19. We believe this matter is low risk to WB talent and staff, as the individual and a roommate became symptomatic in the days following exposure to two people working in acute health care on the evening of March 26th, after WB's TV production on a closed set was already complete. The employee had no contact with anyone from WB since being exposed to those two individuals, is doing well, and made a complete recovery. We have just been notified that this person, whose name has been redacted by Fightful, was diagnosed with COVID-19. WB doctors spoke with this person this morning and reported that they last had contact with anyone at WB on March 26th at the Performance Center. As you know, this person is not an entering performer, and we believe this matter is low risk to you per the following chronology. So, end quote, Fightful does not publish the chronology. And then it continues, those of you who are potentially exposed would be cleared for travel by the evening of Thursday, April 9th, at the latest, since the last possible exposure to any WWE talent personnel should have been at least 14 days prior. That ends the memo that was sent out on the day that the second day of WrestleMania was aired on the WWE Network. Notable that WWE is telling its talent that the latest you would possibly be cleared to travel would be April 9th. WWE's next taping date is April 10th. That's a day we believe that WB planned to begin taping SmackDown and many other episodes of its programming. On April 7th, the company announced that its Q1 earnings report and conference call will be held on Thursday, April 23rd, at 5 p.m. Eastern, after the market closes. And that event next Thursday I'll be covering closely. The first time in WB's history that I'm aware of that WB has done a earnings report and conference call that late in the day, after the market closes. On April 9th, W announced that it will be adjourning its annual meeting due to COVID 19. Also on April 9th, the America First Political Action Committee announces that $26.6 million of investment will go to battleground states, in Florida and North Carolina. Of course, wrestling fans are most interested in the money that's going to Florida. $18.5 million going to Florida. 7.2 million of that 18.5 million going to Tampa, 11.3 million going to the Orlando market. And what is the America First Action Pack? It is a political action committee, a super PAC, dedicated to the re-election of Donald Trump as president. It is chaired by Linda McMahon, former W. President, former Small Business Administrator, and wife of CEO Vince McMahon. Also on this day of April 9th, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis amends his stay home order. Pro sports were added to the list of essential businesses allowed to stay open. The memorandum says that essential services now include quote, employees at professional sports and media production with a national audience, only if the location is closed to the general public. End quote. To be clear, the memorandum does not say WWE, it does not say wrestling. It seems this exemption would also apply to maybe boxing, Major League Baseball. So the question on many people's minds is, are these two events, the $18.5 million for Florida from the Trump Super PAC, chaired by Linda McMahon, and the amendment to the stay-home order by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, are those two events connected? They did happen on the same day. It's notable also, though, that the America First Action PAC also announced the week prior that it would spend $10 million in other swing states, including Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And let's be clear that the $18.5 million going to Florida is going into advertising in Florida. It's not as if it's going into the bank account of the governor of Florida or into his campaign, although it's likely that greater support of Donald Trump in Florida will help the also Republican governor in down-ballot voting. While I think politicians, especially Republican politicians, and the leaders of WWE inspire a lot of suspicion and distrust, $18.5 million of spending on advertising in Florida doesn't seem out of character, either in amount or timing for the America First Super PAC. The next day, on April 10th, the XFL holds a brief internal conference call in which most employees are laid off, the league suspends operations. Not just suspends its games, but suspends operations. And it appears that Vince McMahon's second attempt to start a football league has come to an end. Also on this day, the Revival are released from WWE. Also on this day of April 10th, it's Friday and time to tape SmackDown, but Vince McMahon decides to return to taping Raw, SmackDown, and NXT live every week going forward, beginning with going live, Smackdown on this night. This means rather than taping multiple episodes in single days, WWE will be taping one event live to air. And that means a lot more traveling for the talent and crew involved. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer reports that contracts with both NBC Universal and Fox call for a certain number of shows per year that can be taped. For Raw, that number is three Meltzer reports. Amid criticism that W is exposing its personnel to greater risk of coronavirus, and thereby exposing the public to greater risk of coronavirus, on this day, April 13th, WB and Ad Council partnered to launch a national PSA. Heard here.
4: Of questions
0: about the coronavirus, I'm here to share some simple steps you can take to help protect yourself and others. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Wash your hands often with soap and water for 20 plus seconds.
4: Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Clean and disinfect surfaces and objects.
0: Wash hands after touching commonly used items. Together, we can help slow the spread.
1: Also on this day, Alpha Entertainment, the parent company of XFL, files for Chapter 11 Bankruptcy. Here we learn that WB's stake in Alpha Entertainment is 23.5% of Class B shares. Vince McMahon owns 76.5% of the Class B stock, and Vince McMahon holds 100% of the Class A stock. And the documentation provided doesn't make clear what portion of ownership Class B stock and Class A stock actually represent. But we also learn that Alpha Entertainment, which has been Paying WWE for support services of some WWE employees, for the investor of WWE, might be thinking, well, maybe Alpha Entertainment owed WWE a lot of money for those support services, and now they've gone bankrupt, maybe WWE won't see that money. Bankruptcy documents, though, disclose that Alpha Entertainment had paid up on what it owed WWE for support services. The XFL bankruptcy filing reads, The debtor, which is Alpha Entertainment, is a party to a shared services agreement with WWE, which WWE provides Alpha with certain centralized corporate and administrative services, principally finance and accounting services. The footnote ending that sentence reads, As of the petition date, the debtor is current on its obligations to WWE. Also on this day, April 13th, Orange County Mayor Jerry Demings clarifies that WWE has indeed been deemed an essential business by the Florida governor. WWE, which is taping their shows here in town, announced last night they had one of their, I believe it was an onstage performer, test positive. Are you aware, are they deemed an essential business or did they get a special exemption to stay open or are you aware of how they're able to?
2: I think initially there was um, a review that was done and they were not essentially deemed they were not initially deemed an essential business. With some conversation with the, the governor's office re- regarding the governor's order, they were deemed an essential business. And so therefore they were allowed uh, to remain open. Uh, in terms of the specifics associated with the wrestler who, uh, our personality who tested positive, I, I don't know any of the details of that, obviously because of uh, HIPAA laws, et cetera. I don't know that. But, you know, that's like a little family, a small family of uh, professional athletes uh, that wrestle. And, uh, you know, if, if one of uh, my family members tested positive in my house, uh, that would be concerning to me. You know, we would have to uh, make some provisions in my house to make sure that the rest of us not get Infected, And so I would assume that from a business perspective, the WWE is doing that type of uh, analysis of its own family.
1: They're like a family, Mayor Deming says. Also on April 13th, Governor DeSantis's press secretary, Cody McLeod, tells Mark Ramondi of ESPN that UFC or boxing could be deemed essential in Florida as well. McLeod says the memo does not specify specific sports as long as the event location is closed to the general public. The next day at a press conference, Governor DeSantis is asked about WWE being deemed an essential business.
3: There Are types of business for uh, exemptions to uh, essential businesses? Like you, you, you've given uh, WWE, for example, um, uh, the ability to function. So as people, so, you know, the Disney asked to have some of the gardening people be able to go because they have all the millions of dollars worth of stuff there and it would just go bad. And then we said, okay, is, is there going to be social distance? Yeah, people are going to go out work themselves. Uh, obviously, WWE, there's no crowd or anything, so it's a very very small number of people. Uh, so, so we just kind of look at it uh, on a case-by-case basis. We haven't had a huge uh, amount of requests. I mean, so I think a lot of this will just be you know, what do we look like in May uh, with some of this rather than being able to do stuff. Now, the one thing, though, I do support is um, I think that we do need to, to support like content, like especially like sports and events. And we're not going to have crowds there. I get that but if we can do like if NASCAR does a race and can televise it um without having large crowds I think that's a good thing uh, I'd like to see you know, Woods and Mickelson do the golf or whatever cuz that's social distance you wouldn't have a gallery there you wouldn't have crowds but to put that on on TV I think people have been starved for content I mean we haven't had a lot of new content since the beginning of March uh, here we are now, uh, or, or the middle of March, here we are the middle of April, and if people are you know, being told to, to stay closer to the House, it sure does help to have some fresh things.
1: Governor DeSantis says people are starved for content. Also on April 14th, the Orange County Sheriff says that deputies responded to the Performance Center in March and April, while WU is taping there a moot point now that W has been deemed an essential business. Then, on April 15th, which is normally tax day in the US. That's been postponed this year, I think, to July. First, for perspective, W talent under contract is published in each of W's annual reports. And from 2001 through 2015, the number of talent, that is, wrestlers that W keeps under contract, was within 10 or 15 of 150 for just about every year. In 2007, it gets as high as 170. And again, in 2015, it was 150. In 2016, that number grew to 185. The following year, 200. The following year, 2018, 215. And then in 2019, 300. In the course of five years, the size of the W roster had doubled. And employees have been growing too at a different rate. But WWE employees, who do not include independent contractors, of course wrestlers are independent contractors, but WWE employees, employees who work in offices around the world, including the headquarters in Stanford. But I believe many of the crew are also considered employees. In annual reports, WWE also publishes the number of employees. The number grows almost every year, 564 in 2009, growing gradually to 960 in 2019. Notably, from 2010 to 2011, the number of employees did not grow. From 2014 to 2015, the number of employees actually decreased by one. As I recall, there was cost cutting in 2014. And then from 2017 to 2018, the number went from 870 to 850. Other than that, the number of employees grows each year. So that said, Visigman sends a message to employees on the internal WB app. And Fightful has transcribed that message from Vince. He says, Thank you for joining me today. First and foremost, I hope that you and your families are safe. What we're going through today is unprecedented. And there's no doubt these are challenging times for everyone. Given the adverse effects of the coronavirus and the resulting financial recession, WB, like so many companies, have to decrease operating expenses. Effective immediately, we are reducing executive and board member compensation, Decreasing talent expenses, cutting third-party staffing and consulting, and improving our cash flow by delaying the production of our new headquarters for at least six months. Despite all these measures, given the uncertainty we are facing today, unfortunately, we have to temporarily reduce headcount, as such a number of WB employees will be furloughed from the company today. At the close of my remarks, employees will receive a communication detailing their individual situations. More specifically, those impacted by the furloughs will receive a text message from Human Resources with specific information for their next steps. These are not easy decisions, but reflect the reality of the environment we're working in today. We live in a world of troubled times. I'm confident as a company, and most importantly, confident in you as individual employees. We'll pull through these tough times and come back to work and make life better than it's ever been. Thank you. Around the same time on April 15th, W puts out a press release saying the company went through an extensive evaluation of its operations over the past several weeks. This analysis resulted in the implementation of various short-term cost reductions and cash flow improvement actions, including reducing executive and board member compensation, decreasing operating expenses, cutting talent expenses, third-party staffing and consulting, deferring spend on the build-out of the company's new headquarters for at least six months. The press release goes on, Given the uncertainty of the situation, the company has also identified headcount reductions and made the decision to furlough a portion of its workforce, effective immediately. The decision to furlough versus permanently reduce headcount reflects the fact that the company currently believes the furlough will be temporary in nature. The company's reductions of employee compensation and headcount result in an estimated monthly savings of $4 million, along with cash flow improvement of $140 million, primarily from the deferral and spending on the company's new headquarters. Additionally, the company has substantial financial resources, both available cash and debt capacity, which currently total approximately half a billion dollars to manage the challenges ahead. Management continues to believe the fundamentals of the company's business remain strong and that WD is well positioned to take full advantage of the changing media landscape and increasing value of live sports rights over the longer term. So that's the end of the press release. So two weeks before this, I did an estimate looking at the cost Of COVID-19 restrictions to WWE. Most immediately, WWE would be affected negatively by the loss of expected operating income related to running Wrestlemania in Tampa Bay. Additionally, WWE would be negatively affected by operating income related to venue merchandise sales. I don't believe WWE's operating income would be negatively affected by the loss of live events. Live events, when factoring out Wrestlemania, are generally not profitable probably largely due to house shows that are not profitable, WWE's live events division failed to make a profit in three out of four quarters in 2019. That is, the three quarters that did not include WrestleMania. I estimate that money lost running live events year-round is not offset by operating income gained from the sale of venue merchandise at those events while there may be a number of downstream negative effects to W's business related to COVID-19 restrictions, including adverse effects to W's network subscribers, its online merchandise sales, sales of licensed products like video games and toys. The company's greatest source of revenue, TV rights fees, were at low risk, while a second event in Saudi Arabia, probably worth $50 million in revenue, seems to be in jeopardy. WWE's expected guaranteed TV rights fees are great enough that the company could remain profitable in the year of 2020, even if they didn't run any more live events for the remainder of the year. And actually running TV at the company's self-owned facility, the WWE Performance Center, rather than running events at expensive sports venues, should lower production costs substantially throughout the duration of event restrictions. I estimated that if COVID-19 restrictions prevented WWE from running live events for the remainder of the year, WWE would still report over $100 million of operating income, setting a new company record. Nonetheless, on April 15th, WWE announced a number of talent releases. 20 main roster wrestlers. Kurt Angle, Rusev, Drake Maverick, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Heath Slater, Eric Young, Rowan, Sarah Logan, Noe Jose, Referee Mike Kyota, Mike Canellis, Maria Canellis, EC3, Aiden English, Leo Rush, Primo, and Epico. WWE also released NXT talents, whose names were not announced, but confirmed their releases themselves on Twitter, including Deanna Perazzo, MJ Jenkins, Josiah Williams, Dan Matha, and Alexander Jacksick. Some believe more wrestler releases are still to come. One writer, Andrea Listenberger, confirmed that she had been let go. Nine producers were furloughed, including Lance Storm, Billy Kidman, Mike Rotunda, Fit Finley, Pat Buck, Sean Davari, Scott Armstrong, Sarah Stock, and Shane Helms. Three performance center coaches were furloughed, Ace Steele, Serena Deeb, and Kendo Kashin, who Pride fans will remember as Tokamitsu Ishizawa. Also on April 15th, Governor DeSantis held another press conference where he dismissed notions that any politics played a role in the decision to amend the executive order, which allowed WE to continue with events and continue broadcasting live.
3: Because Vince and Linda McMahon are big supporters of the president, the president helped you get elected, that perhaps the decision... Who suggested that? I've read that people have, have... Put the ties okay. together. All right, so I mean, what does that have to do with me? Like, they supported me. Did you look up that? I did. Then they didn't, right? No. Okay. So let's. go. Here's the thing. I support doing things. I, I mentioned NASCAR. I talked to Lisa Kennedy. I want them to race. I think the public would like to see. It's going to be on TV. I understand you're not going to fill up. Daytona Speedway right now, and I'm not suggesting you do, uh, but I think if there's content that can be created, um, I think that that's a good thing. Um, and I even Dr. Fauci said, you know, televised sports is is a positive thing. There's not a lot for people to look at right now, and uh, I think you're starting to see this. This does start to wear on some people after a while, and so my view would be, well, let's do what we need to do to stop the spread, to make sure we're flattening the curve, uh, but at the same time, you know, you can give people some outlets. Maybe that's with programming on TV. Maybe that's with essential activities, which I've supported from the beginning, you know, where you go for a run, you, you get out and you do things uh, as long as you're as long as long you're not in close contact with, with other folks. And so, so that's, um, you know, kind of the deal. But obviously, people can look up anyone that supported me. If there's no support, it'd be really hard to draw that connection at that point. Not that it would be legitimate anyways, but in this case, the factual predicate isn't even there. Yes, ma'am.
1: Finally, yesterday, April 16th, The day after furloughing and laying off a number of talent and employees, WB announced that its normal quarterly dividend of $0.12 per share would pay out again on June 25th. Again, this is a normal and recurring event, notable though for the timing. Vince McMahon, the largest shareholder, who at last count held 28.7 million shares, at $0.12 per share, will receive a quarterly payment of $3.4 million. And that brings us... Up to today. Some closing thoughts after this.
4: And you get paid for doing your little show and bringing people out here and being some sort of you know highfalutin type guy. I'm down with that. That's cool because I, I, I love freedom of expression. This is great. How many people you know enjoy on a global basis, World Rusting Federation entertainment that aren't elitist like you? At the same time, you can't tell me. How to run my business and what people want to see because if they wanted to see your kind of rustling you're talking about, that's what we would have out there, okay? No, I would never want to do anything in bad taste, okay? Just to smear me, just, you know, just to absolutely smear me with this one thing and thank you very much for that. That's a real class move on your part.
2: I am a victim.
4: a different group of guys and gals it's millennials you know they're not as ambitious quite frankly um and they're not trepidatious at all i just don't think they necessarily want to reach for that brass ring the last person who really reached for that brass ring in all likelihood was john cena now there are others coming up now who definitely want to reach for it
1: well i will say that uh been a tough time for Vince McMahon in the last week or so, I guess. The XFL looks like it's done. I wouldn't totally rule out the possibility of the XFL trying to do another season at some point in the future. It seems like bankruptcy is a way to minimize the losses for now, and it doesn't necessarily make it impossible for him to do another season of the XFL if he chose. And uh, other things quickly the ownership that WB has in the XFL is not something that I think affects investors or WB as a company. And I think the idea of the the Linda McMahon and Super PAC connection to the Florida governor making the decision to amend the stay-at-home order, which allows WB to run tapings at the Performance Center, I doubt that those two things are truly connected. Not that people like that have earned the benefit of the doubt, but I think criticism should be precise and not thrown with a blanket. As far as the cost cutting talent releases, layoffs, furloughs, I think maybe some of that was inevitable after the termination of George Berrios and Michelle Wilson, former co presidents of WWE. There are probably a lot of people around them who, in the name of regime change, would have been out anyway, eventually. Probably not now. And by the way, WWE still hasn't replaced those two. And it's been suggested to me that you know, every five years or so, W goes through a kind of cyclical change like this. The last one being in about 2014, after the W Network maybe had not performed and then had not gained subscribers as quickly as they had hoped, and there was a lot of cost-cutting in a year where they were not profitable overall. But as I explained earlier, and as I've said elsewhere, W's cost-cutting at this time is not something that's necessary to keep the company profitable. It's likely a move to keep the company as profitable as it had hoped it would be at the beginning of this year. WE has a responsibility to its investors, but I would suggest radically that it has a higher moral responsibility to not lay off people in the middle of a pandemic if it can afford not to do so. But the effects of COVID-19 do give WB sort of a cloud cover, to cut costs, to furlough or lay off a growing employee population, to cut wrestlers from an overgrown roster, a roster that it had been growing not so much to add to its own company, but to keep that talent from adding to other companies. Underappreciated here is that I think this is a public message too, and a talent message as well whether the company wants it to be or not, and regardless of the economic argument that you can make for why it's cost-effective and more profitable to cut costs, the public story, whether you agree with it or not, whether you feel that it's accurate or not, is that WWE is the bad guy again. I think WWE, especially over the last five years, has done a lot to damage its trust with its audience and with its talent. And we've seen what has happened to other damaged wrestling brands in recent history. Brands that people don't feel comfortable spending their money on. But WWE is the biggest and strongest wrestling brand that has ever existed. It's the company that is best positioned to withstand a lot of self-inflicted brand damage. So again, I think the the public relations dynamic is underappreciated. This isn't the 90s. And this isn't even the year 2000 or the year 2010 or even the year 2015. An increasing portion of the wrestling audience is aware of news events like those that occurred the other day. That portion is increasing not just because the audience overall is decreasing, but because people are ever more online and ever more aware of the inner workings or at least perceptions about the inner workings of wrestling. The notion that people won't be smart enough to understand is unsustainable. Or even the notion that people are just wrong doesn't matter. Their perception of the brand and how much they can trust it is what matters. And it's the trust of your customers and the trust of your talent, which is a hard thing to measure, which isn't a metric that's on any of the KPIs on the corporate website, probably not even on any of the documents in the internal folders. It's those things that are among a wrestling company's most important assets. And it's also really difficult for a wrestling promoter to admit to themselves that they've damaged those assets. And maybe eventually, someday, those trust relationships will reveal themselves to be even more valuable than a massive media rights deal. Or delayed eight-figure payments from authoritarian governments. And as far as the relationship with talent, if you think back to uh, the 90s and think about what the turning point was between the competition between WCW and WWF, was the turning point WrestleMania 14? Was it when WWF started to consistently beat Nitro in the ratings? One signal that I think was important... It is when talent like Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and Dean Malenko realized that they couldn't trust WCW, and they wouldn't be creatively fulfilled there. But those are just economic concerns. And does a company like WWE, or AEW for that matter, that's still going to run a pay-per-view in an empty building on May 23rd? Do these companies have any moral responsibilities? Will anyone scrutinize them? Media? Politicians? But it's just wrestling. And if people in pro wrestling are exposing themselves to coronavirus, well, natural selection is going to take care of that one. But I think we're learning at this time which companies and which people are actually willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of other people's well-being. And I think some of us have been fantasizing for some time that those with power eventually, in a dire enough situation, would reach the point where some shred of decency would be revealed. And where their care for other people would finally exceed their care for economics. Or for their own comfort or for power itself. We'd been living under the impression that maybe in a wide enough, big enough crisis there would be some distinction and we are learning these days that for some there is no distinction for some there is just one mode of value there is just one way to interpret the world one goal and it's not a greater good for most or all people but the accumulation and retention of control the reassurance that one will always have or will have even more of the control that one has now. Whether that control is a company, an industry, or a public office. I've been fortunate enough in the last few months here, as things have gotten really busy with WB Stock, to uh, talk to some people in the investment world. And I've been weighing a little bit lately who my audience is. Business people? Wrestling fans? But I was talking to someone who gave me a, a great deal of good advice, but also, it said to me, concerning WWE's relationship with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, yeah, the Saudis are evil, but you need to just get over it. You know, the deal is great for WWE's finances, and investors probably love that they're taking in a lot more revenue. And on one hand, I know what he means, but it gave me a lot of pause as if there can't be or shouldn't be a distinction between economics and morality or basic human rights that we need not bring those things up that those need not be part of the conversation but I guess the kinds of people who care about things like that are the kinds of people who don't win the business competitions those are the people who don't get to dominate industries, the people who put economics above all remain the winners of a kind so that's all I have for this time Thanks to Post Wrestling, John Pollock and Wei Ting for having me on as a guest recently. Thanks to Kate Feldman of the New York Daily News for interviewing me for an article on W Business recently. Credit to sources like Fightful for breaking a lot of the important news that I referenced in this episode. And thanks to a lot of the uh, the news websites and podcasts out there that have been referencing WrestleNomics.com and the, uh, the COVID-19 Financial Risk Assessment article that is on WrestleNomics.com. Obviously, you can go on the website and read that for yourself if you haven't already. Follow us at WrestleNomics, at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston, and I'll talk to you next time.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices.